This is Par for the Course, where two totally average golfers discuss the ups and downs of the golf world and their own golf games. We'll share stories, insights, and our thoughts and opinions, which may or may not be well-informed. Through the good and the bad, though, everything here is par for the course. Welcome in, all you birdie chasers, weekend warriors, golf rage monsters, and even you non-golf enthusiasts. This is another episode of Par for the Course. I am your host, John Webb, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Andy Proctor. Andy? What up, what up? Well, uh, another week gone by, and we've got a lot to get to. Um, We just recorded and are going to release an episode on the PGA Tour merger, which was pretty crazy. But today, we want to talk about a major that happened a month ago. (laughs) It's been a a minute. (laughs) We haven't gotten around to recording, um, but we had predictions for the PGA Championship um, for who would win and who would be in the top five. So Andy had Tony Fina winning it all. Fortunately, that is not correct. Tony. I'll never lose faith. Yeah. Don't ever lose faith. He'll get there. Then we got John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Kepka, and Rory McIlroy. For me, I had Scotty Scheffler winning it all with John Rahm. Tony Finau, Jason Day, and Jordan Spieth. So Andy got two out of the five with uh, Brooks Kepka and Scotty Scheffler, correct? I did. And then for me, I only got one correct with Scotty Scheffler. So that puts us score-wise, six for John, five for Andy. I'm catching up. So you're only down one. Cue the Jaws theme. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Now we've got... Don't ask me why, but all of a sudden I just started hearing the the Jaws theme in Peter Griffin voice. Shout out to all you Family Guy fans out there. All right. Well, this week we've got another major coming up starting Thursday. It's the U.S. Open. Oh, boy. Yep. Should be a really fun tournament. Andy, do you want to go through... Your top five, or would you like me to start? Uh, Why don't you start this time? All right. So I'm going to stick with my original pick for the PGA. I think Scotty Scheffler is going to win this. Mm. I think that's a pretty good bet. All in on Scotty. Yeah. I think besides his putting, everything is elite. He's just got to get his putter working better, and I Mm. think he'll be fine. Then in the top five, I do have John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, um, Victor Hovland. Just won a couple weeks ago. He's coming into form. And Wait, then where, my, did, where did he win? He won at, uh, you put me on the spot, I forgot the tournament, two weeks ago. Oh, uh, the Memorial. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Jack's tournament. Yes. Won in a playoff, which it was a crazy tournament. That's right. Wild. That's right. That's right. Super fun tournament. He won on the final hole. And then my dark horse is, at, well, not really dark horse, but Matt Fitzpatrick. We want, you want him to repeat? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Well, it'll be in the top five. I don't think he's going to win, but. Yeah. I will. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I will say this, um, just like I'm pretty like OCD mm-hmm. with golf, but like watching Matt Fitzpatrick track every single shot he's ever taken gives me a headache. It's a little, it's a little too much like it, for me. It, yeah, it's, it makes my head hurt. It's a little excessive in my opinion. For sure. Yeah. All right, top five. What do you got? Okay, uh, for my top five, I have... 
I don't want to pick the same top, the same winner as you. From PGA? Yeah. Are you going to? Uh, oh, no, not from the PGA. I don't want to pick the same winner as you. Uh, I also have Scotty up here. Okay. But, um... He's thinking about it. He may change his mind. Ah, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Scotty too. Yeah. We're going to have to be, pick. we're going to be, um, teammates this week. So yep. I think Scotty Scheffler is going to win. Yep. And then I think in the top five, in no particular order, uh, Max Homa. Okay. I like it. Bryson DeChambeau. Don't like that. I don't either, but I think. For so many reasons. I think his size and his strength will benefit him so this keep week. Keep in the fairway because you've seen the roughs there. I have, it's but insane. this is the thing. I don't like with how fast the greens are rolling. I don't think a lot of guys are going to keep it in the fairway, and so I think his size and his strength will allow him to try to get out of that rough a little bit easier than some of these other guys. Yeah, you might be right actually, but okay, sorry, keep going. So Max Homa, Bryson DeChambeau, John Rom. Okay. And Xander Shoffley. Okay. That's a pretty solid list. Yeah. Um, so let's go over real fast your thoughts. Andy and I both, we watched the PGA Championship, but it's been a month. My initial reaction to the whole thing was I wasn't stoked that Kepka won. I think it's pretty clear through all of these episodes that I am not a Kepka fan. What? No. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I would have thought. Yeah, I'm not a Kepka fan. Don't like the guy. I think he's super arrogant. Um, I don't like some of the comments he's made about golf, the sport. I don't like. Like, how can you be, if you're a golf fan and, like, you like golf and it's your dream to play on the PGA Tour, how can you be a fan of a guy that's like, eh, yeah, like, I wish I hadn't chosen golf? Or saying, yeah, it's like watching baseball, which is an actual sport or a real sport. Alluding that golf is not. Yeah. Which, anyway, doesn't matter. Point is, um, you know... You got to hand it to the guy. He is clutch in the majors. It's on. It's as if he's he only turns it on for the major tournaments. And yeah. I don't know how I feel about that either. Um, I, Which, I get that the majors are most important, but I don't know. And I'd like just to contrast that, like this conversation that we had earlier with Tiger, or not with Tiger about Tiger, right? And how Rory uh, asked him where in his house he keeps all of his other like tournament trophies from his wins. Yeah. He's like, Oh, I don't know. Like I only really keep track of the majors, but the difference is like tiger still cared exactly about every other tournament he played. Yes. Whereas Brooks kept goes like, eh, whatever. Like it's not a big deal. I didn't win. It's like, eh, it's not really a winner's mindset. Like, no, it's very impressive that he's been able to turn it on for three PGA championships. Yep. Two U S opens and two U S opens. Like five time major winner. It's pretty awesome. Right. Yep. However, like, like, I wonder how much more he would win if he had that, like, championship mindset all the time. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think you've seen interviews with Tiger back in the day when he first started. He, every time he entered into a tournament, he was there to win the tournament. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, anyway, that's just something that bothers me about him. One of the many things that bothers <laughs> me. But... I mean, you got to hand it to him. He plays well in major tournaments, and that's golf's biggest stage, and that he, does. he performs. That so, he does. So, um, shout out to Brooks Kepka, I guess, and congrats yeah. to him. But what is it? Do you think about the PGA Championship that he like just seems I have to gel no with? No idea. I don't know. I really don't. And the fact that he was able to do two PGAs in the U.S. Open back to back. 
Well, don't and know. you think about how close he was to the Masters this yeah, year. He was so close. He's playing like, can you really imagine? Like he, he almost had half of a Grand Slam in one year. Yeah. Yeah, which makes you think when he was injured for the last couple of years, what could have been as far as how many majors he could have won. I'm yeah. sure he could have had one or two more easy. Yeah. So that was my thought. You know, wasn't stoked it was him. Also, he's a live player. I really didn't want a live player to win a major tournament this year. Yeah, but that would have been, uh, been nice if they could have gone the whole time without having anyone win. Yeah, it didn't work out. Um, what about Michael Block? Okay, that was the coolest thing. That I'm glad that, that kind of overshadows what happened. That was incredible for so many reasons. Yeah, it was really cool. He is a fan favorite, and rightly so. And even though, like, I, it's, it was kind of unfortunate that he got all this attention for having played so well in the PGA Championship. Yeah. And then the next two weeks, he like really didn't perform no, well at all. I don't think anyone cares. <laughs> which, which like for him, he's like, hey, I don't care. Like I was able to accomplish one of my dreams of playing really, really well yeah. in a major championship. And then like worse come to worse, I get to go home and see my boys. Pretty which is awesome. awesome. Yeah, it was fun to watch because it was as if it's one of those sports moments where you're like, we're watching a Hollywood movie in the making right before our very eyes. Yeah. Because he's playing well, he makes the cut, and then he's like top 10, and he goes to the final round with Rory, and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy is really doing it. And then he hits right. a hole and run, or hole and one. Yeah. That was and the craziest he, thing and ever. And he didn't just make a hole and one, like he canned it. He dunked that thing. Yeah. I lost, I was screaming. I usually don't yell during a golf tournament. Mm-hmm. That one got me out of my, my seat. That was pretty awesome. Freaking awesome, Yeah. Man. That, and then this week, the 72-foot putt from uh, Nick Taylor to win the Canadian Open. Okay, I'm going to be honest. I was not... Fourth playoff hole. Yeah, I was busy moving to a new location, so I was not able to actually watch this tournament, but I did turn on after I got a million texts. I was like, I got to see what's going on. Yeah, it was nuts. So tell me what your reaction was when that first went down. Well, I just... It was a really entertaining... You know, back nine. Yeah. It really, I, I wasn't keeping up with the tournament the whole weekend. Right. Right. Uh, but then they show you this graphic where, you know, Nick Taylor, Canadian. Yeah. Canada hasn't had a, a Canadian open, like a, a Canadian win the Canadian Open. Right. In um, like 64 years or something since 1959. Yeah. So first day he shoots like a 75. He's tied for 120th. Probably not going to make the cut. Yeah. Has a pretty decent Friday. Tied 47th. Has a really good Saturday. Yeah. Finishes tied for 8th. Yeah. By the time the front nine is over, he's in the lead. Yeah. Like, storming back, right? And um, Tommy Fleetwood is nipping at his heels, right? The whole time. Uh, Yeah, on Sunday, yeah. Tommy Fleetwood was kind of coming up the, the leaderboard. He was, okay. you know, not having as killer of a day. But because like, he just had played more consistently throughout the week, right? Right. But um, or at least on on Thursday he played more consistently, and so um, you know he's slowly making his way up, and there are a few other golfers that are kind of trying to keep themselves in it. But eventually, you know, on seventeen eighteen, uh, Nick Taylor goes birdie birdie, right? To to get up one stroke on everybody, and then on eighteen, Tommy Fleetwood birdies to tie him. Yeah. So they go playoff hole on 18. Um, you know, they both kind of hit it on the... Fr- I think uh, Nick Taylor hit it in the fairway, but Tommy Fleetwood hit it on the fringe. 
they both hit it short in into the bunker or or on the grass and in, in the the deep rough yeah just above the bunker they both get up and down for birdie okay they replay 18 they both par okay they replay 9 they both par so there's now in the fourth hole the fourth playoff hole okay they both i think they both get in uh you know fairway and regulation or at mm-hmm. least you know first cut something like that um Tommy Fleetwood lays up so he has like 70 yards in then Nick Taylor goes for it gets on the green but has 72 feet so then Tommy Fleetwood gets you know from 70 feet or 70 yards to about I don't know 12 feet sure. exact same putt he just made two holes ago okay. two playoff holes ago so he's like he knows you know Nick Taylor knows well I've got to get this close right because I know that Tommy's going to make this putt so I have to make get this close so I can have an easy tap in birdie so we can go for a fifth playoff hole. But instead of doing that, he just cans a 72-foot putt to win the Canadian Open. It Walk was, off. It was the coolest thing ever. Gave me chills. Hardcore. Yeah, really awesome. So awesome. The Canadian wins the Canadian Open. That's so awesome. Yeah, pretty awesome for them. I don't think anyone anticipated him making that. And then it gets to no. about 10 feet. You're like, no. oh my gosh, this has a chance. And honestly, I'll tell you, the best angle of the putt that I saw was not any live TV coverage, like nothing right. from CBS. It was right. it was from a fan's phone that was looking straight down the line. Really? And it was this big, huge, sweeping left to right. Yeah. Like it totally starts to slide. <laughs> That's so amazing. At the end, really awesome. How about at the end, though? After, in all of the celebration, Adam Hadwin getting tackled by a security guard. And yeah, because they mistook him for a, a civilian. And how Canadian is this? How Canadian is this? He apologizes to the security guard for, like, not making it clear that he was a professional golfer. Like, he apologized for getting tackled. Yeah, which is freaking awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. Oh, man. Anyway, that was... Uh, Pretty exciting finish to a tournament. Yeah. So. All right. So we're all cut up on on the PGA Tour over the last few weeks. Yeah. So now what, we've got what's the US happening Open. in other exciting tour news. Uh, you mean the U.S. Open? There's that. Okay. Have we talked about the U.S. Open already? Uh-uh. Well, we just gave our predictions. Oh, right. Yeah. No, I mean another more exciting tour. Okay. Oh, the Wasatch. The Wasatch Tour. tour. There it is. Okay. We've got a tournament coming up a week from this Saturday. It is we the do. Northern Open. Mm-hmm. The Northern Open is taking place at a course called Wolf Creek Golf Course in Eden, Utah. Beautiful. It'll be our third tournament of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I excited. I don't even know. Have we had a chance to follow up on that we had another tournament since we last recorded? Oh yeah, we haven't talked about that yeah. one. Wow, we have a lot to get. We have to a today. lot to cover. Okay, so the the Valley Championship, mm-hmm. we were planning on playing at Bountiful Ridge right. this year, but because they had a tournament plan for that day, we had to call an audible. Right, we ended up uh, getting our tee times at Valley View Golf Course, which is in Layton, yeah. Utah. And I have to say, they do have some nice courses up in Davis County. Yeah, they do. You know, Got to hand it to him. If I have to go up there, I guess I'll play some good golf. So, so how the Valley Championship, I ended up getting second. Uh, I started off so poorly. Really? Like, so, so bad. I think I went bogey, bogey, double, 
bogey, bogey. So through five, I was six over. Yeah, Yikes. not a good start. Um, I was getting pretty frustrated, but then I was able to turn around, and I think I parred the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Or no, that's not true. I think I ended up shooting like you. nine over or something like that. So I did not start the way that I wanted to. Um, wasn't ideal, but uh, I still feel like I'm I'm proud of the way I finished. Was able to kind of maintain some composure after I calmed down a little bit. Yeah. And actually, you got on a little par train between eight and twelve. Hmm. A um, little bit of a, a bogey on eight, uh, 13 and 15, but then you also had birdies on 14 and 17. Yeah. Two so par, ended up, uh, par four and a par five to end. Ended up playing uh, better after hole yeah. seven. <laughs> yeah. So ended up being okay. Yeah. But. I mean, yeah, most of your strokes came on those first five holes. Yeah. So. What about you? How did yours go? I had what would be classified as oh gosh there's so many adjectives a travesty of a round mm, yes um and like if if an, a brain aneurysm <laughs> could be like transformed into a golf round how bad are we talking um really bad really really bad um you know i well and actually you know i wasn't playing all that bad on the front nine in, at least in regards to net scoring you know gross scoring right wasn't super super pumped about it. Um, no, I think I st- I started off par. Um, then I think I had like a double and then a, a bogey, uh, another bogey. Um, you know, I've had a lot of some really great shots. I, I did leave some shots out on the green. Yeah, some some putts that I should have made. I'm just getting used to the greens, but um, I had a few holes that I just could not get out of bunkers. Like right. I had a few holes that were, where the, the pin was tucked um, and I was in a bunker short sighted, but not just like, Oh, I'm on the, fr- I'm on the edge right. of the bunker. Like I had like, you know, 10 or 15 yards to carry out of the bunker to a tucked pin. Right. And so I'd hit, you know, two or three shots out of the bunker. Right. So just killer things like that. Um, you know, hitting in the water, on some holes, um, just it was a little bit everywhere. You know, like some tee shots were good, some tee shots were bad. Mm-hmm. Some iron shots were really good. I had some really great iron shots, and then some were just so bad. Some mm-hmm. putts were, you know, I, I don't think I putted terribly, but um, I also didn't hit a lot of putts that I should have hit. So, yeah. so overall, know, what do you think was the main culprit or issue? Would you say? Um, Not having taken a golf lesson. <laughs> I, did, I don't know. Honestly, I couldn't put together. It was, it was just was. So I actually, after nine, I think I was tied for second. Oh, I in, didn't know that. In net scoring. Yeah, I was up net there. Net scoring. I was up there for sure. So I was up. I was actually set up to be, you know, doing pretty well. Um, and then, because um, I, I think besides, again, besides you, like I think some people struggled on the front nine. Okay. And so it, even though I didn't play incredibly well, right. I stayed up with the pack pretty well. But then um, I just had this slew of like, you know, again, I had, you know, two or three shots out of a bunker. Uh, my drive was starting on a great line, but mm. like clipped a tree branch and literally like I've never seen a right angle. Like your, your ball hits a tree and drops straight down. Right. You know, one of those. Um 
yeah, just a few a few bad Not holes ideal. where you just you know it starts to slip away from you, mm-hmm. and you start to get anxious, and you just you know you you can't quite pull it back. You can't rein yourself in. Right. So yeah, just a lot of things that need fixing. So uh, to your credit, you have officially bullied me enough <laughs> into getting a golf lesson. It's about I, time. I have a golf lesson uh, in three days. I think it'll be worth it. That way you can figure out what bad habits you're creating and reverse them. Yes. I think it'll be good. That's the idea. But I think this next tournament coming up, the Northern Open, should be good. Um, I think, as we talked about at the beginning of the season, everyone's going to be in better form now, Mm -hmm. at least at this point for a third tournament. Which is kind of what we were hoping for after the first one. Mm -hmm. You know, the first one, you and I were kind of the only ones that were at least played to what we know we can play. Sure. Um, and in this last tournament, we had saw a few more players kind of come out of the woodwork, and then, yeah, you're right. This Hopefully this next one, everyone is kind of firing on all cylinders, and it will be really close and competitive. Um, we had a buddy who went and played last week, and you actually played a week ago as well. He said that the rough was really thick and the greens were fast. Oh, at Wolf, at Creek. Wolf Creek. At Wolf Creek, yeah. Yeah, the, the rough was a little thick. Um for me, it was mostly the winds. Mm. So we had um, a really aggressive wind and rainstorm come out Ooh, of the east. Excuse me, come out, come out of the west. Excuse perfect me. Perfect for golf. So yeah. um, you know, some holes it was really great because you had this really great tailwind. Yeah. Some some holes it was like you know a little bit of left to right. You just have to kind of plan for that. But but um, both of the par fives on the front nine are uh, west facing. Yeah. And it was just kill. I mean, we're talking like 550 yard par fives. You know where you've only got so much room to land your drive, skinny par fives, and you're hitting into a 20 mile an hour headwind. Yeah, and it's like, well, you know, <laughs> cross I, your fingers. And can I get this to the fairway? Good luck. That type of thing. So, hmm. yeah, I think for me right now. Um, Having, definitely having up and down rounds. Uh, I think I've kind of, I always say this, I feel like I've had a breakthrough on some things for my swing mm-hmm. where I'm striking the ball a lot better. I think my biggest issue for me is my putting. Um, I can't, <clears throat> excuse me, I can't make a putt outside of five feet to save my life. Really? Yeah, and I think that's costing me a lot of strokes. I mean, it, I know it is. It's because I'm having anywhere from 30 two to 36 putts around is it more like a speed thing more a line thing um it's honestly both like i went and played at a course called south mountain last saturday and i had some i had one or two good putts but the rest of the time it was just either too slow or too fast couldn't figure out the greens um stroking it not very well uh not reading it properly so I think, I don't know, it's tough. Putting to me has always been tough because you can go practice on one green uh, at a municipal course in Salt Lake, but then you go play at another course and they're completely different. Whereas, you know, I feel like professionals, for the most part, greens are just going to be lightning fast every time. Right. Whereas, you know, in a, you know, a local golf course here in the Valley, the course greens may be really slow, whereas another course will be really fast. So it's just tricky yeah. that way. I think that's... I've kind of figured out as you go from round to round or tournament to tournament, it's so critical to get on the putting green early. Yeah. So you can get a feel for what the greens are doing that day. And then just knowing how to respond, like knowing, I mean, I I think that great putting is 
uh, someone who's a great putter is someone who'd probably be a good coach, like a mm-hmm. good you know, sports coach, whether football or basketball, whatever, because it really is all about making adjustments on the fly. Yeah. Like you can get a little bit of a feel for what's going on on the practice screen ahead of time. Um, but really it's all about, okay, like usually, you know, for me, I go based on, um, backswing. Like that's how I judge the distance on my putts, the speed of my putts. So it's like usually bringing the, the, my putter back to like my inside toe, that's going to go like eight or 10 feet. Right. right? But now it's going 15. Yeah. And just know like, Oh, but that was downhill or that was uphill or it was flat. Just knowing how to make all the adjustments is really challenging. But, Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's, that's one of the more fun parts of golf for me is because it's way more mental than it is physical. Like, you know, you can putt. Yeah. It's just more about knowing how to adjust. For sure. So, so with your lesson coming up, it'll have, you'll have like a week to prepare. Do you feel like you'll be in form for this upcoming tournament? I'm hoping that I am because here's why. So John had a lesson with the same golf pro Mm -hmm. and a few days afterward, Mm Mm-hmm. You shot a 70. I did. You shot two under at Bonneville Golf Course. Yes. <clears throat> and honestly, the thing that convinced me was that you said that he just made it very simple. Yeah, he did. Um, and also that you you just, you were, you very highly recommended him. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, the one of the reasons I haven't taken golf lessons, not that I'm stubborn or that I don't think I don't need one. I just, for the longest time, was looking for anybody, any golf coach that came like even somewhat strongly recommended, mm-hmm. but uh, whether it was you or like other people had asked, you know, patients of mine that are golfers, I would ask and ask and ask like, Hey, who's, who's your golf pro? Like, who can I take from? And so many times it was just like, Oh, I know this guy, but like, he's okay. Mm-hmm. Or I know this guy, but he's really expensive, which to me translates to like, he's good, but not worth what I pay him. Sure. Right. Yeah. So it just took me to find some time to find somebody who comes highly recommended it's maybe, you know, a little more that I like to pay, but that's what you pay. Like, that's what you... Golf lessons. That's golf lessons, right? Yeah. So um, I'm hoping that, yeah, he can make a few things more simple for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the hard thing about being <laughs> a, a mid to high handicapper, mid handicapper, um, and also being involved mm-hmm. in like physical therapy and, and like um, golf fitness yeah. is that like, I think I know about the swing and it's really just like when I was in PT school, like you start to self-diagnose all these things all the time. Like, Oh, do I have, do I have this? Do I have that? Yeah. Same thing with golf. Like the more I've learned about the golf swing as I'm working with patients and helping them to know how to work around their impairments to swing the golf club. Right. The more I know like, Oh, like here's how to not really extend and here's how to not come over the top and here's how to not bow your wrists and things like that. But it's always so hard to apply that to yourself. Yeah. When like someone else can see it in you and they, they can give you the cues that, that you need. And yeah, so it's been hard to try to like not have too many swing thoughts in my head as I've just finished this, uh, this Titleist Performance Institute certification. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that Kim, his name is Kim, mm-hmm. can just kind of like quiet my brain down and just yeah. give me like the two big things that he thinks I need to focus on. Yeah. Particularly Which- with my driver. Like, like anything off the tee yeah, and like, like mid irons. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me with this guy and I think in general to take away from the golf lessons that I've had is it's really easy, <clears throat> excuse me, at least for me when I've had lessons in the past, 
to try and go down rabbit holes on specific issues that I've seen in the swing. Right. Right. And then you can start to have like through the entirety of an hour lesson, you'll have like 10 things that you could work on that you get from the coach. Right. And to me, that's obviously not effective. You're not going to be able to improve that way. So I like, I mean, you can go that route, but I think with this guy, it was nice because there were like two or three things that I felt like he would bring up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, maybe different for you, but for me, it was like, okay, these are two major things that I could be doing in the golf swing. And then focusing on just those two or three things in my practice just to simplify everything. And I think that's what's helped the most. Yeah. It's identifying the issue, but only having like two or three solutions that you could work on. Yeah. You know, I find myself as, as I'm preparing for this lesson, I'm putting myself in the shoes of my patients because I, I can't tell you how many times like I'll go in to see a patient, a new patient. And I hate to say this, but like obviously your healthcare providers, they want to listen to you. Like they, yeah. they want to know what's going on with you. They want to know what hurts and what, how it happened and why. But like the number of times that I'm sitting down, they're like, well, I was at my son's house and like I was <laughs> helping him move his furniture because I think he needs to move. And you're like, oh my gosh, like get to your... Like what's wrong with your body? I don't need to hear about your issues with your son, right? Like they th- they think they need to give you all this background, and right. in, in reality, you're like point to where it hurts and, and how much it hurts, yeah. and then I will fix it. So with the golf coach, I'm like, ah, like how much do I tell him? Like, hey, I've had a lot of problems with like slicing my drives and right. I early extend, and um, I've been focusing on this with a prior golf coach, and that like really messed me up this way. Yeah. Or do I just go out there and swing my swing? And just let him fix it. Yeah, I think um, one thing I've noticed he likes to identify is, I mean, you go and you hit like five or six shots and he just watches you. Mm -hmm. But then I've told him my number or my consistent miss, whether it's a hook, slice, fade, draw. Um, And that's helpful for him too, just to understand, okay, I'm looking at a swing here but I'm also identifying that his issue is slice, which I know is right. an issue with your drive. Right. So he'll be able to put those two together, and it makes it a lot easier to diagnose what the issue really is. Gotcha. So, yeah, I think it's going to be night and day because, like we've talked about, practicing with no like professional help can be good, but it also can be detrimental to some extent mm-hmm. where you go to the range and you're just reinforcing bad habits. Right. So... I also hate to say it, but um, obviously I'll, I'll take and stride whatever uh, Kim tells me on mm-hmm. Friday about about this part of my swing. But you know that in years past, I've typically had like a pretty short backswing, like very Tony Finau-esque, very yeah. John, John Rom-esque. Rom-esque. I wouldn't say it's as fast and choppy as theirs is. Like theirs mm-hmm. is very like fast and elastic, like up and down. Mine's a little slower, but like I do a, like a very sh- pretty short backswing. Like I'm maybe bringing my lead arm back to nine o'clock, maybe back to ten o'clock. Yeah, I'd say that's true. And uh, I've been experimenting this year with a, a longer, like full, full backswing. backswing, and it just has like my I've gone up two full strokes <laughs> in my handicap. So <laughs> then de- there you go. Depending on what he says to me, like he might just say, "Hey, like I know it might look better to have a full backswing. Like you might not like like the way your swing looks, but like." Yeah, I might try going back to a shorter backswing. I will be interested to hear what he says about that because I can't imagine that we're, he'd want to force the issue with a full backswing. Like if the shorter backswing works for you, then why fix what's not broke? Right. 
That's my thought. Uh, well, I'm hoping just like like if I can say take my like stock pitching wedge, I usually yeah. hit it like 145, 150. Right. Okay. Um, with that like shorter abbreviated swing, like the hope would be if I can do a full turn, yeah, I could get it to like 150, 155. Which is true. Yeah. I mean, if you lengthen it, you'll get more length in your shot. Yeah, ideally, right. But then there's the dispersion of the misses. Right. A lot bigger. And I'm not even talking like, oh, like my pitching wedge went 20 yards left or 20 yards right. I'm like, <laughs> did I hit nine inches in front of the ball? <laughs> or did I miss the ball? <laughs> it's not that bad. Did I hit the hosel <laughs> so bad that the ball went 90 degrees off the tee? <laughs> That one is a little bit more true. I've seen that one. Yeah, my hosel shank is. But hey, I recognize my early extension, and I've figured out some ways to work on the early extension. So you know, the hosel shank should go away. You know, I think to end this episode, one thing that our buddy uh, Brock Balif, shout out to Brock, brought up one time. He just played last week, and I saw the scorecard, and it, he didn't par one hole, which is very unlike him. Wow. He's a very good golfer. Yeah. So I sent him the scorecard and just asked, what happened? What happened? What happened? And his response was, good golf happened. (laughs) Good golf happened. No, I think what I wanted to finish is, I think you and I and every amateur golfer out there have experienced where you'll go to a course and you, the way that I would describe it, you just forget how to play golf. Oh, it's so bad. Like you, it's just one of those rounds where nothing is working and your confidence is gone and every shot you hit just accentuates the issue. Oh, it's so bad. Like I've had that happen many times and I know everyone else who listens to this has too. It's so hard to break the cycle. <laughs> so when you talk about these hosel shanks or hitting nine inches in front of the ball, I'm like, it's funny, but like everyone's been there. Everyone's done you it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone's had those rounds where you go and you play and it's like, did I, have I been playing for as long as I have or do I just not know how to do this? Yeah. The fact that I, I mean, I, I started playing golf a little bit when I was like 12, 13, 14. Right. And then I stopped for a number of years, but like I've been playing golf consistently since I was 21. Yeah. And I'm now 31. It's 10 years, a decade. Yeah. 10 years. And like, I have improved not even a little bit. (laughs) That's not true. I probably came down from like a 23. (laughs) You definitely have. To like a 15. And that's what I kept bugging you about. I think for everyone out there, I think if you can afford it, I understand that golf's expensive and to say, hey, just go get lessons. Right. It's a hard ask. Right. Um, But honestly, I am a huge advocate for it now because it's helped me go from, I think I was an eight last year and now I'm a five and a half. Yeah. So I I think think the biggest thing is I've just started taking lessons at least, you know, like once a month because I can actually afford it now. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I hear, I mean, you, you, everyone talks about this, you know, golf pros, uh, you know, regularly the chasing scratch guys yeah. talk about this. Everybody in golf knows that like coming down from a 20 to a 15, very doable. Yep. Coming down from a 15 to a 10, like pretty doable, right? Yep. Like as long as you're working hard, getting down from a 10 to a five, like it's, it's it can be hard, yep. but like five to scratch any, like any, like, yeah, when you're in the single digits, Shaving single digits is just so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think the difference at that point is getting someone who's highly recommended. I'm sorry. Can we go back? Did you say you're a five and a half right now? Yes. Wow. Went, yeah, it went down. Yeah. You don't stand a chance because I just keep on going up. <laughs> like I'm a seventeen. <laughs> he's. I'm a he's seventeen. Banking on that net score. Point seven right now. I know. 
I know it's going to be harder for me to. No, win. I don't think you heard me. Seventeen point <laughs> seven. Who knows what it will look like in a month or two? But yeah, it's it's finally starting to improve, which has been really nice. So it's good, man. Well, I was I was wondering about this. So we last uh, not last episode, two episodes ago, we had a a really fun episode about practice techniques, mm. practice strategies. Yeah. And we kind of touched on the back end of that, that we wanted to follow up and have um, a little bit more specific discussions about things like general fitness. Like how, mm. how do you work in general flexibility? How do you work in general strength training, power training? Um, I, w- I would, uh, on uh, I think we had a good chat today about mm-hmm. golf coaches, but I, for one, would be way more interested to hear about like the experiences that you've had with a golf coach I'd be excited to talk about my lesson that I'm going to have this week next time about mm-hmm. golf coaches. I think those are all kind of different phases of um, golf fitness and golf performance that all it's, it's a multifaceted approach, right? Sure. To golf. Um, I mentioned to you that I just finished this TPI certification, which TPI mm-hmm. is the Titleist Performance Institute and all it has all to do with um how your golf swing relates to your body and the way that your body affects the way you swing the club. So I think it'd be really fun to kind of talk about some of those things and see how general fitness applies, uh, kind of health screening and the Mm -hmm. TPI applies, how those two things fit in with having your golf coach, your swing coach, and just all the, how those things all kind of fit in. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. I think, I I think it all comes down to what is, an amateur player like you and I willing to put into the sport, right? Like it's right. my number one hobby. I want to improve a lot. So I think there's For a sure. lot that could go to it. For sure. Yeah. All right, everyone. I'm John Webb. And I'm Andy Proctor. And everything here has been par for the course. Thank you very much.